Hello and welcome to Newspeak, the New Culture Forum's look at the weekly news agenda. I'm joined, as usual, I'm pleased to say, by Rafe Hadelmanku, uh, our senior fellow historian and royal commentator, and indeed also by Amy Gallagher, who is the woman behind Stand Up to Woke uh, and Campaigner. Um, good to see you again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be talking about basically two issues this week. First of all, starting with obviously GB News, which has been in the news, a news channel becoming the story over the past week, ever since the Lawrence Fox incident on that. What actually does this really mean for the channel? Have they handled it the wrong way? And does it have a future? Uh, we're going to be talking about that. And also, this week, we've seen the Tory party conference. When you see the clips of it, they certainly seem to be having a very, very good time themselves. But what does it amount to for you and me and everyone else for that matter? Um, so I want to start with GB News. Oh, we've all been on GB News. Um, you're on a lot. Rafe, I'm on a lot. And you've been on as well, haven't you, Amy? Um, what do you think is going to come out of this? I mean, from what I can understand, well, they are essentially in kind of ongoing crisis talks. That's how it appears right. to be the case. I mean, I think we need to remember why GB News was set up. It was set up because uh, um, conversation in the media landscape and the cultural landscape more broadly was becoming narrower and narrower and anything outside of that was was seen as beyond the power and not allowed and the terms like racist and sexist and transphobic were becoming used more broadly in, yeah. in regards to everything as a way of shutting down communication about things like grooming gangs, immigration, puberty blockers for children, anything and everything was being shut down. So that's why GB News was set up. Um, as a way of allowing those kind of conversations to happen. Um, what happened with Lawrence Fox was that he, uh, I mean, he was talking about this female commentator in a very crass, crude way, um, talking about, we'll repeat it here, I think many people know, but talking about how attractive or, or unattractive she was. And mm. I mean, I think he was trying to make a broader point about radical feminists, that men don't find radical feminists very attractive and that it would be off-putting to be in a relationship with someone like that. But he said it in a very, um, you know, laddish way, yeah, which yeah. wasn't great. Now, is it misogynist or sexist what he said? I think it's debatable. I mean, I, I hear, you know, I hear a lot of things said that I consider to be misogynist within the area of trans, the, the, the trans argument, but other people disagree with me. Mm. I mean, GB News regularly have a commentator on called Narinda Kaur, who repeatedly calls Asian MPs coconuts. Yeah. Now, she has not been suspended and she has been allowed to come back on mm. and still calls them coconuts, which is, mm. people don't understand, it's a racist, well, I think it's a racist idea yes. to describe someone with having brown skin, brown on the outside, white, white on the inside. inside. So yes, it's, yes. to me, that is racist. Um, but there was no hysteria around her comments. Mm. So there is, there is already a kind of, well, hang on, why is this person, this one person who's, you know, you can disagree with what he said and say that you didn't like it, but I see lots of rude sexist racist things being said on GB News and on the BBC and on Channel 4 mm. and the, we don't see this kind of reaction so I think what happened was there was this strong reaction probably because it's Lawrence Fox and probably because people are you know don't like him already and then what happened was that GB News suspended him quite quickly now I think I mean I guess it's debatable whether that was a, a good decision or not I mean I think that 
GB News are trying very hard to be seen as professional and be, be, being, to be seen to be doing the right thing. But I think what happens is by suspending him, they don't appease their, the, the people that criticise them. The, 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 whatever they do, people will go for them. Mm. And I think that by suspending Lawrence Fox, what happened is it sort of legitimised this idea that he is definitely a misogynist and what he said was definitely wrong and cannot be allowed, which I think it, you can debate that actually. Like it, it, I mean, like I said, I've, I've, I think I've heard worse things said on that show that have been allowed with no criticism. So there is room for debate here. Um, and then since what's happened is it's become, a, it's almost like a snowball effect, which is kind of a tale of our age, isn't it? That it becomes, then it becomes Dan Watton who, uh, you know, has been suspended because he apparently didn't respond in the right way or he's smiling or laughing. And then other people, Sir Calvin Robinson has been since suspended. Calvin for sort of sticking up S for Dan Wooden, Supporting them. Mm. Uh, and then it's become, and then what the, the, the conversation has become on Newsnight and the BBC is that the whole of GB News should be shut down. So this is an extreme kind of catastrophization of one person, which it seems to me GB News were very uh, vigilant with, that they suspended him immediately, which you don't see on the BBC on Channel 4 when people say what I consider to be very inappropriate things. Mm. And even though they did that, there was still this call for the whole of the news network to be shut down, um, which as a, you know, with the BBC, recent things that have come out about Russell Brand and, and various mm. other people at the BBC that have been involved in all sorts of scandals, we don't see a call for it, the whole thing to be shut down. And that's the issue, that, that this something so small can be used mm. to try and trash mm. the whole thing. I think for me that, I don't know about you, mm. but that is actually the nub of it, that mm. in fact, the, the mists around this rather silly, stupid thing, for which actually Lawrence actually has said, yes, it was stupid, right? But they seem to basically part, the mists part, really quite quickly into another issue. It was about, as you say, trying to get this thing shut down. That's the most disturbing thing of all, mm. to see the speed with which and the relish with which people on Newsnight and, you know, mainstream respectable programmes are calling to shut down media with which they don't agree. Now, when anybody on the right suggests that the BBC licence fee should be taken away, suddenly people are tarred as being Philistines and, and uh, lo loathing, of, uh, loathing of proper journalism and so forth. GB News performs an, a vitally important function. We have to remember it is the voice of the people in a world which, until the of GB News was the voice of the elites. BBC, ITV, Channel 4 all parrot a certain particular view. It's an urbanite, metropolitan, Westminster bubble view. And we know, of course, from every polling result that's taken them by surprise that the public have a completely different viewpoint on so many issues and has provided a much needed service in allowing people to realise that they aren't alone, that their voices aren't in the wilderness yeah. and they're seeing expressed on television for the first time really important discussions about issues facing them in their daily lives and it's almost acted in a way I think like a bit like a, a valve on a pressure cooker helping to ease off some of that steam knowing that there is actually somewhere where those voices are, are being talked about and so it is hugely important and of course there, there are so many tangential tangential things here you know the, the furore around Lawrence Fox's you know crude and crass remark I would say is vastly less important than what actually he was railing against which mm -hmm. was this female journalist who was being so dismissive of the issue of male suicide which is the leading killer of young men in this country, if I'm not mistaken. And this was a discussion on BBC Politics Live in which both she and the head of the TUC, the trade union, and another woman, yes. could not countenance giving 
one or two minutes for the discussion of this rather than say oh well actually the female female issues are far more important and not to have the BBC issue an apology or a clarification or not for the for a, what's her name Coburn the, the host of that never took up that lady on that point now everybody's attacking Dan Wooten for not having challenged Lawrence Fox why did nobody challenge this woman during her discussion mm -hmm. on, on the BBC and why is there no furore around that I, I think the whole thing is d deeply unfortunate now GB News is in a very d difficult position because it is it's, it's under employment law uh, contracts so it has to actually abide by the law yeah. that's why you're seeing this long process being involved in investigating but the other thing is of course each one of the people well Dan Wooten and Calvin Robinson have in their in their tweets they've also attacked GB News executives yes. yeah. and I think that's made their positions untenable if they had actually there's nothing wrong with Calvin Robinson going in defense of Dan Wooten of course uh, but once you start to attack the executives mm. you can understand why GB News was painted into a corner where they had to take the action that they did uh, but the problem with that is whilst you may logically understand it it of course goes to the image the image of GB News takes a hit because of that and people think that it's not a defender of free speech and I think the viewing public of course understandably love Calvin and they love Lawrence and, and they love Dan Wooten and it just seems as if now they're being forced to take sides on this issue and I think we'll, we'll only find out when we see the viewing figures for the months ahead but I think it's, it's going to be very telling to see how this plays out. Do you think yeah. actually people do desert a channel for that reason you know like they think that they're not standing up for free speech and let's face it when we're talking about we're talking free speech broadly here you know I mean it's broadly to me it, it, it's not actually a free speech issue really uh, it's much more aligned to the famous Brand and Jonathan Ross incident on the BBC when they called uh, Andrew Sachs up about his granddaughter, really nasty, uh, in fact, yeah. far more nastier than this in fact. No one called for the BBC to be shut down and, and also they were seen as being kind of quite laddish, weren't they, for yeah. doing it, you know? It's almost like Lawrence Fox has been scapegoated for that reason, that we've just had this big dispatches about Russell Brand and you can see loads of footage. His whole career was based on sexual innuendo and making comments about women and Channel 4 and BBC, apart from that one Andrew Sachs thing where they did, yeah. they did do something but he continued to be platformed and he wrote for The Guardian and he was loved by mm. the liberal media and I actually on the lead up to Lawrence's comments I heard a lot of female commentators commenting about how vile and disgusting Russell Brand is and that they wouldn't have slept with him and all of this sort of stuff and then it, it's like Lawrence says this one comment and it's almost like you know, ten years of Russell Brand being gets pushed yes, onto him. Yes. Like we'll, we'll just make yes. him the scapegoat for all of these things that we've allowed for so many years. Yeah. That's what it felt like to me. I wonder if the whole Russell Brand fiasco hadn't happened, would people have been so alert to the sort of thing that Ro Lawrence was saying? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's interesting actually because just today in Switzerland. A journalist has been sent to prison for 60 days for two months because he called another journalist a fat lesbian. Now, in what in, in on a Facebook in a Facebook video from two years ago? So this is very retroactive. Two from two years ago, this has emerged. Now, it's not just us that have got that are falling foul of all of this stuff. Uh, I mean, most people in in the world, you know, have had things that were said, which of course would make them now fall foul of so-called hate speech. Um, so yes, I think you're actually right. I think that the 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 sensitivity of everybody post-brand has made this more likely. But I wouldn't say that it wouldn't have happened anyway because the things are so febrile at the moment. There's one or other, other kind of quite, you know, practical business aspect to this, and that is that obviously everyone knows 
GB News has struggled with advertising. And so this is really not going to help that, is it? I mean, they, they must be sort of thinking of that because there were sort of little mm. suggestions here and there that in fact advertising was maybe getting a bit better. You know, certainly the viewing figures have been excellent. It's mm. not, that's not the problem. The problem is how can it pay for itself? Um, so if you have this sort of thing happening, they might be, they might have been thinking of that maybe? Yeah, possibly. I mean, I wonder if it's, as it's got bigger and it's more successful and its viewing figures are now often better than BBC and Sky yeah. News, which I think a lot of people have been surprised by, that mm. people weren't expecting it to be this successful this quickly. I think what's potentially happened is that at the beginning it could take risks and, you know, it had nothing to mm. lose, mm. whereas now it's, it's built up its brand. I, I, I think it's almost a bit you know, risk averse now. It wants to keep that momentum going. Mm. And I wonder if the producers and the executives are more, you know, on alert to things that could, you know, potentially stop advertisement or stop, you know, hinder the viewing figures from it growing. So, you know, the, in terms yeah. of the future of GB News, I, I do wonder if it's, you know, there is a risk that it will become more establishment as it gets bigger. Yes, yes. That, that's the... Well, well that's true. I mean, I, lo I love GB News as it mm. currently is yeah. because yes. it does, and it also, unlike, say, Talk TV, which is very sort of American-looking mm. and slick, there's something very British about GB News. You know, it's got that sort of... It's more of a family yes. feel there, mm. you know. Mm. Um, but you're quite right, it's done so well. I'm so proud of how it's now actually beating Sky News in, in the great, in all the major time slots. Mm is beating BBC News quite often in prime time as well. Um, but of course, the reason that it's not getting advertising is because there's a boycott of it. We have to explain that. There's a group called Hope Not Hate, which is leading this boycott against it. Despite that, yes. advertising is now beginning to get through because, mm. of course, uh, advertisers realize eye eyeballs are more important than a, a group called Hope Not Hate. Uh, and it is making inroads there. And so I think that must be one of the judgments that the, the executives are making there. And you're seeing now they've brought on Camilla Tomini to, mm -hmm. to lead their Sunday politics show, which actually now beats Sky News' politics show. They've got uh, Christopher Hope, a great, a, a great coup. They've got him from The Telegraph. Uh, Michael Portillo. They've got very, very heavy, uh, serious, uh, important figures now hosting their daytime slots, whereas the evening slot is still much more that sort of mm. uh, rank, uh, what's that, you know, well, hell for leather, well, nothing, whatever you want to do goes on in the evening. And that dichotomy, I think, is actually a good example of where they're trying to decide how do we go forward now. Well, we have, quite, mm. we have the, the daytime yeah. uh, quality professional programming. In the evening, it's much more the sort of uh, uh, cafe pub talk. Well, which way do you think they should go? Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I think there is, there is, I think they've done it pretty well so far. I mean, apart mm. from this research, I think, I think there's room for both of those things. But I think mm. what, pe what people know GB News for is the, that, the, the pub mm. talk, that, that it being something different, that it's not sterile, that you do get lots of different views mm. and conflicts. And, you know, the daytime stuff is good, but it's not too different from, you know, the, the mainstream. And, mm. and, and people do, you know, it, the clips that people watch and, and that gets lots of views is that kind of evening, the, you know, the headliners, the comedy, the back and forth, the more, um, you know, the, the things that are more, you know, people having conflict or arguments. I think that's what people get that they don't get elsewhere. Mm. But it's it's got to be careful, hasn't it? I mean, if it wants that to grow, it's got to, it's got to be mindful of who it asks on and the, the, the Ofcom rules and regulations, but also it doesn't want to lose that, as you say, yes. that, that kind of authenticity. I suppose in a way you could say it's a difference between being a broadcaster 
and a YouTube channel. Mm, the, yeah. A lot of these things that people can do on YouTube, they just can't. Well, that's one of the big debates they're having now mm. at the moment. They chose, and you know, the CEO will say this often, that we chose to be regulated because we wanted to be on televisions. Yeah, yeah. And that does play an important role. But of course, with that, you have to actually uh, be much more mindful of content. Now, we're a YouTube channel too, but we're also, I would say, we would pass all of Ofcom's tests oh, just out of yeah, common, idea. the common decency of how we portray <laughs> things. But that is a route that uh, GB News could go down. I can understand why they'll be reluctant to do so because of the fact that people, my uncle, for example, loves GB News. He's 96. He's not going to go on online to watch this streaming. Mm. He can just about find it on his television. And I think there'll be a huge demographic of GB News who similarly aren't really comfortable with the online streaming world and are much mm. happier with, it, with a television stream. Mm. So I'm, I think that probably is one of the factors that has pre prevented them from making that leap to streaming only. How do you actually watch GB News when you watch it, actually? Yeah, I usually see it on Twitter or social media. Just tweet, like, Twitter? I've, I have watched it, but mostly because I don't watch TV Mm. that much so I do see it on social mm. media do yeah I don't have a t TV so I just mm. I tend to watch the clips um, I watch it on YouTube on my computer right, you know? but yeah. never lie I very rarely watch it live yes I think interesting. you know when it first came when it first came up at GB News we did a program uh, all about what we thought of it this is uh, oh what two years ago now in the first week I think we first did. week oh. and uh, they watched it I, I, I then um, found out um, and uh, we're very interested in what we were saying. I think that, um, well, first of all, it's an achievement that they're still here, actually, because people had it in for them. What struck me about this occasion was within a day, was it, there was this discussion on Newsnight, which we all know about, with Adam Bolton and also Caroline Noakes, who's Tory MP, well, Tory MP, and David Yelland from The Sun. And they were all saying it should be mm. shut down. Yeah. I mean, were you like me just, I was astonished at the blatant nature of this. You know, they weren't just simply saying, you know, this is terrible, but what, what else can we expect from these people? It was shut it down. Mm. Yeah. See, I, I think it's so important coming back to the idea of it being a YouTube channel or a, a broadcasting channel is that it bridges the gap between those two things. Mm. And that's so important because it does feel like the mainstream media and the world of YouTube are getting more and more separate and there's mm. echo chambers and they're not communicating and GB News did a really good job of bridging that mm. and that it was bringing on some of the views that you would see on YouTube but doing it in a broadcast through broadcast media mm. and it was so it was it was so awful to see the way it was being discussed on Newsnight I think Adam Bolton said it it, it disturbs the delicate balance of the broadcast ecology. The delicate ecology, yeah. Yes. Delicate ecology. Well, if it's so delicate and it's so fragile, then may, maybe it's because it's you know a bit hypocritical and a bit corrupt. That's why it's so <laughs> fragile. Because any criticism of it, you know, it ha yeah. has has is of worth. Because there are major issues with the mainstream media, and that's that's why you know it can't it can't allow in something different. That that's a problem with the mainstream media. That's not a no, yeah, I, it's not I'd a problem agree. with GB News. And the derision with which uh, Angelo, mm. the CEO, was treated on the Today mm. programme. I don't know whether you heard the interview mm. he did. This there. is the chief exec on BBC. Uh, Angelo Fragalopoulos. Yeah, the yeah. chief executive interviewed by Amal Rajan in such a patronising, yeah. arrogant, condescending way, a sneer, a sneering, uh, we're the real media, and now we're, we're holding you to account. And then I've never heard of it before, but uh, Nick Robinson, the co-host of the show, 
joined in on this interview. Now, interviews are always one-on-one -on, -one on the Today mm. programme. For the first time I can remember, he came in as well to get his jibes in, almost desperate to have a go at GP News. That, that's the feeling that you got. It definitely is the legacy media trying to bring down a challenger. Mm. And I, I think that they're also very worried about the effect that it's having on, on, on viewing figures. Yes. We know that the, the Today programme is hemorrhaging viewing numbers. Nick Robinson said, oh, it's because people don't want to watch the news anymore. No, they do. They don't want to mm. watch your version of the yes, news. Exactly. Yeah. And yes. they can't face up to that fact. And getting rid of GP News is one way to try to restore the, equi the, the uh, things in their favour. I think it's uh, been, it, they've lost uh, the Today programme. Radio 4 lost about a million views in the past year or something. Oh. But GB News apparently had the best party at the Tory party conference which has been this week I mean everyone was saying it was mm. a fantastic party um, I'm not sure whether it was the one where Nigel Farage and Pretty Patel were singing together on karaoke or whatever um, everyone up there seemed to be having a kind of great time in Manchester um, as we're recording this actually uh, Rishi Sunak has made his speech this morning um, what's your overall impression of it Rafe? Well, you know, I have to say that this conference and the decision to get rid of HS2, for example, just to me symbolise everything that's wrong about the Tory party of the last 13 years. It's another sense of, of betrayal of the British public in much the same way that they never delivered on immigration. The people in the Red Wall voted to get levelling up done. You know, the, the people weren't just voting for Brexit in 2019, they were voting also uh, because they realised that having voted Labour for decades, there had been so little investment mm. in their constituencies because of because the Tory party weren't channeling funds there. So they gave their vote in part because the Tory party promised to level up. And rather than level up, they spent all of their money on a link between Birmingham and London, which affected none of those constituencies, uh, an expense that's gone way over budget. Why? Because of Tory shires insisting on tunnelling under fields and so forth. Nine, nine, it's only above ground for nine minutes or something. And that's why our, the expense of our infrastructure railroads are something like five times mm. higher than what they are in France and Germany mm. because we insist on tunnelling everything which is f grossly more expensive. That's why it's gone over budget. And of course now the, 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 the final leg is not being done. I mean they should have started at the top. They should have started by linking Leeds and Manchester mm. and Birmingham and Newcastle and Crewe all together. Because you really do have a, a Victorian system still up there today. I don't think people are aware in the south just how bad transport links are in the, mm. in the north. And when it, and it, but it's such, it's such a stupid decision to make because when it comes to election time people will, will vote based upon the fact have my, has my life improved? And if they have brand new train services in their part of the country, if they can see an improvement to the bus system, if they can see tangible evidence that the Tories have done something yes. good, they'll be far more likely to cast their vote. Now when all of the benefits of that money is on our underground tunnels in the south of England, mm. there's no incentive to vote. So that let, let me let me let made me very disappointed to see and it just it, it reinforces yet another Tory betrayal. How can you believe them on any of their manifesto pledges, be it immigration or be it levelling up? You see, I think for me, I mean I always was anti HS2 anyway I mean campaigned against it at one point mm. um, simply I remember during the mail in 2016 or whatever we were taken to various places that were going to be pretty decimated by this thing but it was always a very kind of um, uh, you know global elite project you know it's not unlike the famous garden garden bridge in mm. across the town yes we remember that uh, did you, I mean, did you support HS2? Does it 
<coughs> I'm not even sure um, most people even care I mean, so much about it. I don't have strong feelings about it. I mean, I guess it's it seemed to me to lack vision in that it, it's, as you said, it kind of there's a globalist feel about it. But mm. also, I mean, how how important, it, I mean, more and more people are using Zoom now. And how important is it to travel from London to Mas Manchester and, or, or Birmingham to Manchester? And wouldn't it be better to have more regional infrastructure Rather that I, it, it, I don't know. It seemed curious to me that so yeah. much was put into this yeah. this one rail line, um, and I think it, you know, that Rishi makes the fact that he's not going to do that kind of the main uh, part of his speech at the conference seems very uninspiring. <laughs> that you would use exactly? the conference to yeah. say this thing we were going to do, we're not going to do. And uh, it just, it, as particularly in Manchester, that you would announce that. When, you know, I know a lot of people that had difficulty getting there by train because of the train strikes and were a bit peeved off by the time they got there because they travelled by car. And then they were hearing this announcement that there isn't going to be this, this train line. And um, yeah, I mean, I think it's just quite demoralising because I think it shows more broadly that as a country, we, we, we just lack the the economic mm. power to mm. do large-scale infrastructure projects well and correctly and do them quickly in the way that you see with other countries. But is it that, is it, is it, is it money or is it actually just lack of will mm. and, and kind of a, a, a le you need confidence mm. to do these kind of things, don't you? Yeah, well, I think we have the competence, we have the confidence, not the competence, if yeah, I can put it yeah, like that. Yeah. So much, you know, and so much of what we do now, as I said, is we, we are needlessly wasting money that other mm. countries don't do. Mm. You know, five times or whatever the number is more expensive here than on the continent, mm. you know. And we'll just look at, I mean, look at China. In, it, we haven't built a third runway for, to, on Heathrow Airport, but in the years we had that discussion, there have been, what, 50 or 100 new airports built in China. Now, they have no planning permission at all there, granted. But one of the reasons that, um, um, uh, Rishi's making these de these decisions is because he's, we've now apparently brought Dominic Dominic Cummings back in secretly. Oh, really? So Dominic Cummings is now secretly advising the Prime Minister on how he can differentiate himself from his predecessors. And at this late stage in the game, what Dominic Cummings has said is you need to have major earth-shattering decisions that can really, in people's minds, draw a distinction between you. That's why we're seeing the cancellation of HS2 and these big decisions are being made. Yet the problem is these are big negative decisions. This is not <laughs> something new, a new idea. This is scuttling an old idea. Uh, and, you know, Rishi Sunak's most biggest popularity came when he actually announced the furlough scheme. That was a positive thing that he was doing. And I think that's what's missing now. It's a big gamble, this, because, yes, people will, will be upset on both sides of the issue on, about this and I think it, it behooves Sunak to actually make some positive dramatic decisions as well. Mm. Mm. I think it's a, it, I, I would agree that just one thing on this age just to it is it is the case isn't it that there's this ridiculous situation in this country where you have to do these kind of V v-shaped journeys you know <laughs> that it's actually easier still to come down to London go back actually ridiculous why why should it be the case that we are left with essentially a kind of deluxe London to Birmingham train? I mean, that's that's what is well, that's what we're left with. It's like, it's like the worst of both worlds, isn't it? Well, exactly. Yeah. But I would say one of the reasons is is that essentially there's this kind of we can't cancel the whole thing now because too much money's been spent. Yeah, that's mm. that's the problem. You know, and I mean, it, what is it? How much has been spent? I remember when we were campaigning on this, they were saying, oh, it's going to cost uh, something like 50 billion. And you know, 
that basically that means a hundred billion. I mean, it's over a hundred billion mm. now, isn't it? And the, the fees that go into these consultations, somehow I think, is, is, was it 70? I was re reading in the Telegraph something like thousands of pages long, you know, to go into the actual kind of consultation. Well, the chap responsible mm. for the very first stages of HS1 said that what you don't do is you never announce the budget. Because once you announce the budget, that's when contractors yeah. and consultants start to increase their mm. fees. If they don't know what the budget is, they'll lowball their quotes into you. Mm. And that was one of the major failings. But it's such a basic, obvious thing, right? This is, yeah. a, this is, a, this is ridiculous. But look, we, you and I went to Birmingham last week for a Birmingham Locals event. There's a train that takes an hour and 15 minutes to get there, right? That's every hour you can get there in an hour and 15 minutes. Mm. That is perfectly decent amount of time. It doesn't mm. We don't need another train journey that knocks off 15 minutes of, a, of an hour and 15 exactly. minutes. Yeah. Instead of that, so much could have been done. And it looks like now it'll be probably you know, 30, 40, 50 years minimum before the North can get this, the transport service that they, mm. that they deserve. Mm. I think it's a complete scandal. I think we just simply need uh, a, a system you know, in a rail system in the north goes from particularly east to west, you know, mm. this is the big thing, you know, it's, it's ridiculously difficult to get across the, the country. So much for the northern powerhouse, eh? Mm. I mean, uh, on, a, on, a, on a broader note, what did you make of the whole, s as it looked, the state of the Tory party, you know, through this conference? I mean, you know, uh, was it sort of something that people should even look at and take seriously or, or what What do you think? I think, I mean we've said it before in this show, but with the Tories it is very much like one step forward, two steps back. So I mean, you know, they made some announcements that I agreed with in terms of, especially with Steve Barclay and, and you know, the um, you know, not allowing tra uh, transgender women in, in is women's that actually wards. Well, he said he's going to ban it, yes. Right. Um, but then, I, you know, I'm reminded, of it wasn't only a couple of weeks ago that I was reading that um, there's going to be 200 or over 200 new diversity and inclusion mm. roles in the NHS mm. and that Steve Barclay had written to try to prevent this, but it was still going ahead and there was going to be three new um, organisations set up in the NHS for diversity. So mm. it, it all seems a bit contradictory, really. Mm. And you also wonder whether these things will be enforced because mm. it's all very well standing up and saying we're going to ban this. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, they've said some, you know, there's some positives that have come out of it. Um, but, you know, like, I think most people feel like we've heard, we've heard a lot of this before. And, that, you know, they're being very tough on immigration and tough on woke, but we mm. have heard these things before. And, you know, at this point, it is just rhetoric. Actually, that was one of the, that was one of the criticisms of Suella Braveman's speech. Actually, it was quite tough. I mean, this is going out, you know, while this is going out, actually, we're going to be holding a conference on immigration. Excellent timing, I think you'd agree. Uh, what struck me about Suella Braveman was that it was probably the toughest in terms of pure rhetoric that I've heard from a Home Secretary, but actually, did she say anything mm. about what they would do? It was just, we must do this, we must do that. Well, it we was a speech. That. It was a speech designed to set a certain tone yes. and to send a message to Tory voters and to potential Tory voters, and everything in there I agreed with. It was all the sort of stuff that we've been saying on this channel f for years. Uh, but what's happened, of course, is that this speech, which everyone is now attacking from the left, and even from the left of the Tory party, 
all approved by the Prime Minister, but the Prime Minister will never use the same words. It was a deliberately designed uh, way to manipulate voters. So Soweto Brahman has been outlined as the voice in the Cabinet who will give voice to those views mm. that nobody else is brave enough to do. That way people can say, oh, well, the Tory party is airing those views, but you'll never hear the Prime Minister say that. You'll never hear anyone else in the, in the Cabinet say that. All that we're seeing in, the, in this conference is what happens before every election of the Tory party. They make all of these pledges, uh, as Amy was saying, you know, in 2010 and 2015, we heard, and 17, mm -hmm. they were going to reduce immigration to the tens of thousands. What's happened is now 1.2 million uh, gross migration that we're having now. Nobody can believe any of this. They, they talk tough mm -hmm. to get tabloid headlines and to get and to get sound bites, but nothing ever happens when they actually get into power. Actually, there was a yeah, that was gross, right? 1.2, but there there was a recent headline this week saying that in fact we should expect a million net over two years yes which is an, I, i've never heard anyone describe things over two years yes, exactly. i don't know why they were why? doing that anyway why? it works well to, to uh, alert people to how big this issue is it, it's it's a it's a massive thing um when you sort of look at the the way in which the toys hold their or in fact the other parties hold the conferences now mm. what strikes you it seems strikes me anyway is that the people missing are the public um and certainly members members it used to be if i mean i went to lots of conferences in the 1980s even in the early in the late 70s actually big halls full of thousands of people actually they've become woke fests haven't they i mean have you been to one recently the other no, no, no. Well, the, the, the the big parties the big receptions are held by think tanks or i don't know what you know or corporations and what happens in the hall is sort of like nothing you know yeah. but it used to be far more and in a way that is symbolic isn't it of what's happened politically yeah totally. it's, been, it's been captured by uh, yes. organizations yeah. rather yeah. than giving people the voice one more thing someone who really did um if you were watching gb news uh really did feature at the conference this year was uh, nigel farage yeah. and tell you only a few years ago they absolutely wouldn't have given him house room I mean he's gone yeah. up there for a different reason now he's a journalist and everything but he's got a very good perception um, and apparently Sunak said he would welcome we are a broad church right he'd welcome in uh, Nigel Farage if he were if Nigel Farage were leading the Tory party would you vote for the Tory party Amy. Yes, I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah if yeah. he were leading it by some kind of fluke, mm -hmm. stranger things have happened. Yeah, it could do. I mean, if he's if he does run, I think he's got a good chance. I don't think it, you know uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. I mean, what what the people are commenting on after this conference was that the the lack of identity that it's as you say it's a broad church, but it's too broad and yeah. nobody knows what it stands Brains for. Brains have fallen out. Yeah. Yes. Whereas if you know Farage would sort of galvanise, pe people would go one way or the other with Farage, and yeah. it would it would gain some sense of identity if Farage was in it and leading it. Yeah. And I guess the the you know people would have to decide whether they want to stay with that or not. So um, you would uh, you think it's yeah, quite a good, yeah, good yeah. ticket yeah i think it's a very good well, politician farage has given short shrift to the argument he's hmm. dismissed it outright yes. and he said would. But, he being frivolous. but uh well i think that, you know the reason he's being mobbed by people and everyone wants a selfie is because he's actually speaking true conservatism he's yes, the only yeah. true conservative yeah. person of of note 
uh, or who's famous at the, at the conference there. I can tell you one thing though, I would love for him to be leader of the, of the Conservative Party because uh, he would finally turn it into a proper Conservative Party but it would mean I think in many ways that we would lose any chance of an election victory because only a, mm. only a more moderate or slightly centre-right mm. Well, uh, a centre-right to slightly beyond that has a chance of capturing the votes on the, to the left of the Tory party that's required and Farage, much as we all love him, is too divisive a figure to actually guarantee the Tory party any hope of having a majority. Okay, well on, on, on that note, forget about Farage for a minute. Let's talk about kind of like, you know, the usual riders and runners and whatever. Um, who do you think, even if you care, who do you think would be there instead of Rishi Sunak? Would or because should? They, well, should actually, because they are basically all, aren't they, vying in some mm. ways when they do their speeches? I'd like, well, I, I don't know Kevin Badnock well enough to actually say that she would be the best person for the job. I think mm. she needs to be tested a bit more, but she certainly is a person I think has got more is more, uh, more aligned with our views than anybody else that's there. Soella Braverman, I, I love everything that she says, I just don't know how much skill and commitment is there behind the, behind the scenes. The problem I have is with actually the Tory party members, because they were the ones who voted for Liz Truss, who was obviously going to be a disaster, who wasn't a true Conservative, is a, is a Republican Liberal, uh, and is a sort of neo-liberal rather than a proper Conservative, and they love Penny Mordaunt, who's as woke as you can get. Mm. And the problem is the Tory party members don't really have enough knowledge it seems to me about the candidates they like simply the superficial photo mm. shoots that Liz Truss was doing mm. riding in a tank like Thatcher and they all love Penny Morton because she carried a sword at the yeah. coronation yeah. well that's very nice but that doesn't make you a prime wearing minister wearing a great dress mm. yeah. Yeah. and it's just all image mm. over, over substance unfortunately yeah. Yeah. I think yeah I like Suella and Kemi I mean I just don't know whether they've got the experience you know to to take on that role but I like the things that both of them say mm. um, yeah I mean I, I was hearing that you know Liz Truss was getting a lot of support at the, the conference which is quite surprising I mean I know she did get the vote to be the leader but I, I would have thought given all what happened that people would have you know, you know uh, backtracked from her a bit but yeah. actually people were still very keen on Liz Truss which is surprising well not only people in fact Nigel written yes, a piece yeah, in yeah. the Telegraph saying I agree with her 100% even though she's even though she's pro-immigration yes, she wants to increase it I can't understand that yeah, she wants that's more of a liberal view yes yeah, she wants to liberalize her uh, immigration just um, you know we're talking about leaders and everything what strikes me you know you say about the superficialities is that when you do see Tory party members being uh, interviewed on TV GB News or otherwise um, you feel that they don't quite get the seriousness of the situation mm -hmm. I don't mean for the Tory party but for the sort of things we talk about on this mm -hmm. channel you know they were queuing around the block for Theresa May's biography autobiography <laughs> did you see you know she was signing copies the only people in the universe who possibly could be interested in what she has to say about anything but you know when you talk when you when you see them being interviewed it's like they haven't quite they still talk about woke nonsense and politically correct nonsense and things mm. like this you know it, it just is you sort of feel you 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 are not fit for the purpose that we now need actually mm. I would say mm. yeah? yeah I think so I mean, it's the same with the conference like you as you said it's changed it, it, it now feels a lot more about networking and, and pro mm. you're cr progressing your career that's why you go to the conference mm. rather than anything deeper you know that's yeah. when, and when you see them all having a good time 
you know, I'm not against that, but you feel like, hang on, there's something really, there's some really serious oh, things yes, that yes. need to be thought about. And, exactly. you know. and, and what you're saying about the Tory party members applies also to, to ministers and to MPs. Because, you know, after Suella mm -hmm. gave her speech, which was a good speech, so John Hayes came out and said it was a wonderful speech, it's all the right notes. But then you had Robert Buckland, you know, the former Lord Chancellor, saying that this was a speech unworthy of any Tory um, minister or MP mm -hmm. and that it was divisive. And it, I thought, wake up, she's actually the first person yeah. Yes. to call it yes. as it is and you still want to put your head in the ground and pretend that the world is all hunky-dory yes exactly uh, no all of which means that to basically keep your feet on the ground and keep completely tuned in you have to watch this channel um, and uh, where we actually are talking about these things that you know really concern you day in day out they certainly concern us um, thank you very very much Amy thanks very much and um, well, we'll be back next week and uh, we shall see you then and have a good week in the meantime. Bye. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.